those of you online, it is, I'm, we're thankful that you joined us today. I appreciate you ladies on our worship team today. Thank you for your hearts today. Well, good morning. Welcome to New Life Church on this uh, fally day. I'll tell you, if today's not a fall day, I don't know what is. Yesterday, I felt like I was in England looking outside. This the the way things were outside with the weather. And uh, it is good to be with you today in the in the house of the Lord and joining together in, in the name of of our God to worship Him. Well, let me invite you uh, to open up. We're going to be in two places today. Um, <clears throat> In the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter 1, and then Ephesians chapter 6. 2 Peter chapter 1, and then Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I think I'm finally going to get to complete this message. I started three weeks ago. Um, Then surprisingly, a week later, I wake up and I uh, come to find out I have to have emergency wisdom tooth extraction. And, And then took me a long time, more than I anticipated to recover from that, and thankfully I'm better and well, and strength is, is, is almost 100%, believe it or not. It, it, I did not think it would take that long, but, uh, but nonetheless, I stand before you, and I'm thankful I get to hopefully finish this second part of this message uh, called Everything We Could Ever Need, and we get that out of Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to draw your attention uh, just quickly to the beginning of that, verse 3 and 4. I, I, I'm going to read today's text out of the Passion Translation. Peter writes, he says, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. The thing with the Passion Translation, it adds so many more adjectives. Uh, As you can tell, the Passion portion of of this reading. Then verse 4 says, As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. And so, setting this up, a life in Jesus, a relationship in Jesus, promises us that God in Christ has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. It goes on, it means a life of, of genuineness, a life that's strong and a life that is full, a life that is authentic. I don't know about you, but I hope to say that the majority of us would like to live an authentic life of faith in God. Not a fake life, not a, a face on Sunday a church face on Sunday and a different face the rest of the week. I'm not suggesting that we're, we walk perfectly in every area of life, but the trajectory of our heart is aimed towards being an authentic person in the Lord. And that's what 
what Peter writes and tells us. We have everything we need in God, in Christ. He's given us this, this opportunity and the ability to live a life that is full, that is strong, that is devoted, that is authentic in the Lord. That we don't have to, we don't have to try to live up to a certain religious rule or religious law because in Christ that has already been fulfilled and made complete. And so those who are in Christ Jesus have that already working inside of them. And he goes on to tell us that in this relationship with Christ, then we can actually be everything God has created us to be. <clears throat> everything. God has this picture of us. He has this, this plan for us. He, he has this, this spiritual DNA in, for us. And he has this, this thing that he has called us and everything that he's called us to be is made possible in Christ Jesus. And that, that is every part of life. That, that if you're married, the married part of life. If you're single, the single part of life. If you're young, the young part of life. If you're older, the older part of life. Wherever we find ourselves, it is made possible to, for us to live this kind of life. A life of godliness that is in Christ Jesus. To be everything he's created us to be. And then, to not look to this world... And when he talks about the world, it's the, the society and the culture in which we live. To not look to the society and the culture in which we live for identity. Uh, to, not, to not gain our definition of how we're supposed to be, the type of person we're supposed to be, by society and culture. Because, uh, honestly, that's, that's what happens. Society and culture tries to define everybody. Tries to tell us what we should do, how we should do it, how we should live, what we should do in this life, and how to dress, how to be, how to talk, how to whatever, what, what to buy, what to drive, where to live. Society and culture put so much demand and so much effort into creating these labels for humanity. And, and Peter writes to us and says we're called to get our identity not from the culture and society in which we live, but we're called to get our culture or excuse me, called to get our identity from a relationship that is in Christ Jesus. And so, one way that that is protected, one way that that is safeguarded, one way that, that you and I as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, can ensure that we can walk this out, is through the armor of God. And let's look at that in Ephesians chapter 6, through the armor of God. I'm going to pick up there in, in verse 12. We've covered, uh, covered the first three parts of this a few weeks ago. If you want to get that, hear that message or watch it, you can just go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, go to sermons and you can see it, or go to our YouTube page and uh, you can also, also watch it from there. But verse 12, he, he, I'm kind of jumping into the middle of this. He, he, Paul is writing this and he reminds us first, he says, look, your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in, in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. He reminds us our enemy is not people. He would like us to think our enemy is one another, flesh and blood, but our enemy is really not. Our enemy is different. Our enemy is, 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 de is the devil, is Satan and his... his uh, legion of, of demons, if you will, and they are, it says they have high principalities and high authority operating in rebellion. He says, reminds us that that is who we're against. That is who we're against. And he would like nothing more 
than to turn every person away from the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. That's his goal, that's his aim. And, and even so much so as if, if, we, if, if, the, if the church, the people of God, would just get complacent and live lethargic and live apathetic and have no fire, have no passion, have no burning inside of them for the things of God, he would be okay with that. He would be totally fine with that because he knows what Daniel talked about. In Daniel 11, he said this. He said, the people who know their God will be strong and they will carry out great exploits. People who are walking in a vibrant relationship with God are, are going to be strong in their faith and they're going to carry out kingdom acts on this earth. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So if the enemy can, one, if he can get you to not walk in, in step with God, and then two, if he can get us to just be complacent, just kind of apathetic, just kind of exist on earth, then he's cool with that. Because he knows we, those type of people aren't going to do anything favorable for the kingdom of God. And Paul is like, look, and coupled with what Peter says, if you're going to live this life of godliness on earth, we're told that those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. Persecution will happen. Suffering will happen. Things will come against you. Resistance will happen. Paths will have some pitfalls in our life as we follow the Lord. But in, 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 in so walking in that, then Paul comes in and reminds us, hey, remember who your enemy is. And in verse 13, he says, because of this, because of your, the enemy... And we established this a few weeks ago in the beginning of this, that the enemy does not play fair. He does not play by the rules. And if you're like me, I, I, like when, I don't like people to cheat. I don't like to cheat. Um, I've, I know I've cheated a few times in my life, and I felt bad about it. I don't like that about when that type of thing comes out of me. And I don't like to play with people who cheat. I, don't like, I like when people play by the rules. I don't, play, I don't have a problem if you beat me fair and square, but just beat me fair and square, right? Or vice versa. But the enemy could care less about rules. He could care less about playing fair. He, could, he, he does not play that way. He has so many conniving strategies up his sleeve that he'll do anything he can to get at us. He'll, get, he'll do anything he can to get us to doubt, to get us to live in disbelief, to get us to be discouraged, to get us to live stuck to get us to, to just kind of sit in existence and not have any kind of forward progress in our faith with the Lord. And in and, and verse 13, he says, Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer, for you are destined for all things, and you will rise victorious. I love this part of this of, of Scripture here with this context of the armor of God. If you wear and use the armor of God in its entirety, the spiritual armor of God, it says you will rise victorious. There is this surety, there is this guarantee that, look, you do this, you will not lose. You do this, you will not fail. You do this, you will not falter. That we are on the winningest team ever. Ever. We are a part as a believer, we are a part of the overcoming army of God. And he says, if you wear this armor and you use this armor fully, you will rise victorious. Now, if we 
take that to the a natural side of life and you say, if someone says, hey, if you, will do, if you do this, there is no way you will lose. Absolutely no way you will lose. And you, the reward for winning, think about the biggest thing you could ever have. It's yours. Heaven is our gain. Heaven is our gain. Heaven is our gain. Eternity with our God, eternity with Christ, eternity with loved ones who have gone on before us and who will go after us. Eternity. Forever in the most perfect place. And you want to know more about that? I preached on that topic about heaven several weeks ago in the foundation series. You can listen to that. But he says, you wear this, you, you function in this, you're destined for all things, and you will rise victorious. There is no chance we will lose. No chance we will lose. So, do we wear all the armor? Do we put it on? Do we function in this every day? We did the first three. We're going to skip down to the last few. 16. It says, In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, the shield of faith. It's able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one, the shield of faith. Romans 10 tells us that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith grows, it can only grow as the, as the word of God waters it. That's the only way anybody's faith can ever grow is we've been dealt a measure of faith, and the way that measure of faith grows and adds and multiplies and goes exponential over time is the more of God's Word that waters it in our heart. That's the only way. If you want your faith to develop and you want it to grow, you want it to be stronger, you want it to be more, it doesn't happen just by thinking happy thoughts. It happens by the Word of God. The Word of God waters that in you, and then it causes growth and development to happen, your faith to blossom and to bloom. So this faith shield, so to speak, can get bigger. Our faith can get bigger. Our shield of faith can get bigger, and the Passion uses it as a wraparound shield. It can become a wraparound faith in our life. It can grow like that the more of God's Word gets in us, and the more we seek the Lord. It, Ephesians 11 tells us that God rewards the faith of those who diligently seek Him. So faith grows as we diligently seek God, and the more of God's Word is, gets into our life. That's how our faith grows. And so this faith Shield. This shield in, in, in this time frame, in this setting, this shield was the soldiers, their shields were leather. And what they would do before a battle is they would soak those leather shields in water and let those leather shields just saturate the water, be saturated by the water. And so that when they went out to battle, the enemy then would launch flaming arrows of fire towards them, and because their shields were soaked in water, when they held them up, 
the flaming arrows would be extinguished as it hit the shield. Instead of catching it on fire and burning them alive, the shield was soaked in water and therefore it would extinguish the flaming arrows that were shot at them. Now take note, the flaming arrows will always be shot no matter the size of faith. But the more protected, the more covered you are, the more opportunity you have to not be held back and taken out by the flaming arrows is determined by the size of faith you're able to grow based on your relationship in seeking God and your relationship in His Word that gets in you. And so, what do we do? What do we do? We, we let our life then become saturated and permeated and washed over with the Word of God so that the more that happens, the bigger our faith gets. The bigger our faith gets, the more our faith will grow. I want to ask you this. What are you needing to believe God for right now? Where, where, where are you at in, in needing your asking and in needing to get yourself to just trust God? To believe God. What are you needing to believe the Lord for? The list is limitless. Whatever it is, when I ask that question, what pops up in your life, in your mind right now? What are you needing to believe God for? And I want to I tell you this. Find scriptures that pertain to that issue or that topic or that stance. Read them. I'd say cross-examine them. Find one or two and then find out where also in another part of the Bible it's also stated very similar to that. You'll find that that happens. Then take those, if you need to write them down or if you need to type them on a notes in your phone, or you need to put them on your mirror or put them somewhere in your car, wherever you're going to see these things on a regular basis because faith comes by hearing in hearing by the Word of God, and get yourself to in the Scriptures what you're needing to believe God for, and quote those Scriptures every day, pray those Scriptures to the Lord every day, and watch your faith begin to blossom. And then stand firm on them, because here's what would happen. The enemy will try to come and pluck the seed of that Word out. If it doesn't plant, you know the, the parable of the, of the sower? where he scatters the seed, some fell on this kind of soil, other soils, and this kind of soil. Yeah, if, this, if that seed doesn't get planted quickly, then the enemy will come and steal it away or choke it away or whatever it will, get you to doubt it. And so you've got to stand on that every day. Here's what generally happens. You get excited about something in God. You, you find something in the Word, man, and it, it, it kind of highlights you. The light bulb goes off. Your heart beats a little bit. Your spirit, man, jumps, and you start to get this little bit of faith going. And then the next day, something bad happens. You get bad news or you're just, you, you, the traffic's horrible. And it just puts you in a bad mood. Or you get to, you get to work, and, and, and the person who was supposed to have the coffee made didn't have the coffee made. Or you put your lunch in the fridge at work, and your name's on it, but somebody else ate it. <laughs> Whatever, something happens. The enemy knows exactly what he's doing. 
Well, what does that mean? Do you just give up and be like, oh, that didn't work? No, you go right back to it. You go right back to the source. You go right back to the Word. And you remind yourself, and you remind God, and He is a keeper of His Word. He is a promise keeper of His Word. And you remind yourself in your relationship with God, and you begin to pray it again, all over again, and keep that working. What do you need to believe God for? Find it in the Scriptures, and your faith will grow. Verse 17, it says, Embrace the power of salvation's I love the way it says this. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. Our God delivers fully. Not partially. Not just okay-ish. Not just barely. No, God can deliver fully. It says, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies, to protect your thoughts from lies. And if there's ever going to be anybody who is so good at lying, it is the devil himself. He is the father of lies. And he will do, you can can just imagine the thoughts and things that come across that we all have at different times. And sometimes thoughts will come and you're like, where in the world did that just come from? That's ludicrous. That's great. That, that, I hadn't even thought about that before or in a long time, and here's that thought coming at me. The helmet of salvation. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul tells us that those who are in Christ Jesus have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Now think about that. His mind is perfect. His mind has no illness in it. It has no confusion in it. It, ha- it has no, nothing weird about it. His mind is perfect. His thoughts are perfect and pure and holy and noble and righteous and good. Paul exhorts us to think about such things. And the helmet of salvation is worn as a protection of the mind of Christ. As a, it protects the mind of Christ. And it's through the mind of Christ that all of our thoughts and all of our beliefs and all of our perceptions are filtered through. Because let, let's just be honest, our perceptions are not always accurate. There are perceptions that we think they're accurate, but they're not always accurate. But the one thing that is accurate is the mind of Christ. And if we're going to be an authentic believer to live this life of godliness that Peter talks about, then we've got to be forthright and willing to pray and believe that the mind of Christ and his thoughts are higher and better than ours. And that affects everything in life. That affects everything in life. You name it, it, it affects it. And so the things we listen to, the things we look at, the things we think, the things we believe, etc., are filtered through the mind of Christ. So anything that is ungodly, unhealthy, not right, then can be kicked out and not able to stay. Now, they're only able to stay if we entertain them, if we give it the, the, the food of, of entertainment, if we feed it. And, and make ourselves think more about it. 
That's the only way those kinds of thoughts can, can linger and, and can stay. The same is true with good thoughts. The same is true with pure thoughts. The same is true with noble thoughts and righteous thoughts and heavenly thoughts, etc. As, as Paul admonishes us to think on those things, meaning feed those things. Make yourself think those things. You guys with me? Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God. We, believers, have that ability, that authority in the Lord. We demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And says, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Now, how many times, don't show your hands, but how many times have we let deceptive fantasies, arrogant attitudes towards God be greater and have more freedom in us than we should allow. Don't raise your hand. But think about it. The armor of God, the helmet of salvation, worn properly, gives us the authority and the ability to capture, says like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow to the obedience of Christ. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've lost, I lost track. But it, it just happens. But how many times a bad thought, a negative thought, an unhealthy thought, an ungodly thought, something about somebody else, something that, that maybe I should, I should have a, a cutting word towards somebody, and, and the Holy Spirit's like, check yourself. And you get, and at that moment, I have a choice. Do I entertain the fantasy? Do I entertain the arrogance? Do I entertain the thought? Even if I feel 100% justified in it. Or do I do what the Bible tells me to do? Take it captive like a prisoner of war. And the moments that I have taken it captive and made it a prisoner of war the better outcome it has been for me. The other times when I have not done that, the opposite occurs. To make it a prisoner of war gives the, the deeper understanding of that. Is to, it becomes such a POW, such a prisoner of war for you, to the point that it actually later becomes a soldier for you. In other words, that... that thought, that unhealthy, ungodly, arrogant thought that comes and you take it captive and you make it a prisoner of war where it came from, you make it such a prisoner of war that it loses its detachment from where it came and now it has, is under full 100% authority of you as a believer in Christ Jesus. That as believers in Christ, we have this type of dominance working for us. 
God did not leave us here as orphans. Jesus said that in John chapter 14, 15, 16, reminded the disciples that I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, the Advocate's going to come, the Helper's going to come, and you're going to do greater things than I even did. Say, what? Meaning we can live self-controlled. Meaning we can take thoughts captive. But here's the thing, you've got to actually do it. It's a good idea, it's a good principle, it's a good thought, it's a good thing, but if we want to have absolute victory in our life, full deliverance working in our life, then we have to engage, we have to activate ourselves to say, thought, wherever you came from, I take you captive right now, And I make you a prisoner of war. You will not run around free in my mind. I will not be thinking all cray-cray anymore. I will not think this about them. I will not think this about that. I will not think this way about whatever. I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, I take you captive to the obedience of Christ. And then you just start thanking the Lord that I have the mind of Christ, that I have a pure heart, that my mind is saved and I'm not insane. I am sane. I am well-balanced. I am well-maintained because the Spirit of God lives in me. These are the types of things that believers have to engage. Now, somebody sees you doing that might think you're crazy. Or in your, in your car, and maybe you just got to excuse yourself and go to the bathroom, or go to, if you're at home, go to your closet. Whatever you got to do to get yourself in a place where you can get your mind wrapped around that you have authority over this stuff. You might be in, a, in an actual heated conversation with somebody, and that conversation is going sideways, and it's not going favorable for you. It is not what you wanted to hear, and what do you do? Do you engage in that combat of behavior? Or do you just get yourself quickly? Holy Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm thinking out loud, but this is what's going on inside you. If you don't come, then uh, things are going to get weird. Help me, Holy Spirit. Take the thoughts captive right now. Now, a lot of times those kinds of thoughts happen when we're typically by ourselves where we're typically isolated, when we kind of have some idle time, when there's not a lot going on, we find ourselves wrestling with ourselves, thus wrestling with thoughts and conversations and situations and scenarios are running through our mind. That's typically where most of those battles happen, like with, with Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days praying and fasting and the enemy came to tempt him and tempted him three times. And he had to hush him up and take thoughts captive. So when you have thoughts that are not from God, remind yourself that you have the mind of Christ and you take authority over them. It's not a one... This armor thing is not a one and done thing. We have to choose to not take it off. We have to choose to wear this every day. Verse, uh, the second half of verse 17. Then he says, And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. 
a tongue twister. Take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God, or the sword of the spirit. Notice the word take. Take it with you. The spoken word of God. It's the right now word for a right now situation. Because the thing is, none of us know what kind of day we're going to have. None of us know what type of things cross our path. And therefore, we have to always take with us the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God. It's a right now word for a right now situation. Back to Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Each time the enemy came and tempted him, Jesus said, the scriptures say, or it is written, this, this, and this. Each time Jesus overcame those temptations, those battles, not by airing things out on Facebook, not by Instagramming it, but by himself speaking the word of God. Now, do people take the word out of context? It happens. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Find yourself in a position, again, to have a, 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 a true, honest understanding of God's word Apply it to your everyday life because that's what it's for. And then carry it with you. You may not be able to carry the actual Bible with you. That's on our phones now. But whatever you got to do to get the Word of God in you so that wherever you go, whatever you do in your day, you have God's Word for whatever situation. Now, here's the thing. The spoken Word is only useful if it has spoken to me first. God's word is only useful to you if it has first spoken to you. That's why you, it's not like a rabbit pulling it out of the hat. What? Well, I just, you know, bing. Once in a blue moon, that'll work. But it's the sword of the Spirit. It gives the impression, gives the implied meaning that the person carrying the sword of the Spirit knows how to use the sword of the Spirit. Knows how to wield it. And the Bible is pretty clear about that. In Hebrews 4, it tells us that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide and able to discern. God's word, it can only be useful to you if it's first spoken to you, if it's first gotten into you. Here's what Martin Luther, the great reformer, said. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. You ever had that happen? You ever had that happen? Man, something in God's word speaks to you. Something in God's word chases after you. Something in God's word lays hold of you. It might have been you personally opening it and reading it or listening to it or someone sending it your way. 
but it lays hold of you. It speaks to you. It has chased after you. It's, that's God. God's just trying to get you His best. God is just trying to give you His very best. His Word describes who He is and what He's able to do, what He has done and what He's capable of doing in your future. But you've got to have it with you. And then lastly, verse 18. It says, pray. All the other things are being worn. Prayer is now the engagement of it all together. Pray passionately in the Spirit. As you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. I, I, I love that. I, I, I could side note propose to you every form of prayer. I know there's lots of liturgical things of prayer, but every form of prayer, meaning don't, don't, get, stuck up on the, don't get stuck on the semantics, the mechanics. Just pray. Just talk to God. Don't think about trying to say everything so perfectly, so right. Just share your heart with God. Pray with every form of prayer at all times. All times, everything, in anything. Paul, again, in Philippians 4, it says, Don't worry about everything, but pray about everything. The only prayers that will never be answered are the prayers that will never be prayed. Pray the blessings of God upon all His believers. Pray. The Spirit of God empowers us to pray even when we don't know what to pray for. You ever been there before? Romans eight twenty six. the Spirit groans within us. We don't have words to even say. You just, I don't even know what to pray right now, but the Spirit of God just prays through you. There are situations that happen like that. We build ourselves up in faith when we pray in the Spirit, Jude 20. We're called to pray for each other, one another. Prayer keeps us engaged in fighting the good fight, finishing the race and keeping the faith. Prayer encourages us to keep at it. Prayer does that. Prayer is the polish to our armor when we encounter battles and have wounds and get tired. Prayer polishes that armor. Prayer is our calling card to heaven. Prayer is to the soul what sleep is to the body. Prayer gives us the courage to then put on that armor every single day. It's a decision. It's a choice. Will we if we will wear the armor of God, one of my very first chances to, to, to teach of any kind out of, the, out of the Scriptures to people, not to myself in the mirror, but to other people, did that a lot, but to other people was a, was a small group in, when I was in youth group. I think I was a senior. Or I might have been a, might have graduated and been a, a leader, youth leader, I can't recall, but around that time. And 
one of the first lessons was on the armor of God. Totally ripped it off from somebody else. Told, stole somebody else's, another preacher's notes, who sweated, who prayed, who, who studied like crazy to get this revelation. And somebody told me about it, and I'm like, yeah, I need to know that. So I yanked it, and then I taught that. Got to start somewhere, right? But that was one of the first things that I was given that opportunity to talk about. long time ago, but over time now, realizing it's one of the most important things you and I are called to put on every day. And prayer is what activates it. Prayer is what engages it. Prayer is what motivates you and encourages us to, to think about the belt of truth. To wear Jesus at the center of our life. To put on righteousness as our breastplate to protect us. As that is who we are. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because let's face it, there's some days we don't feel very righteous. There's some days when we just feel like we're so unsaved. What is saved? That's just how life and thoughts kind of work sometimes. But it doesn't change the facts. It doesn't change the truth. To put on peace. We're not called to go out and create conflict. We're called to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. And to have faith. We walk and live by faith, not by sight. How often does sight dominate our faith? Sometimes, guys, it's a real, it really is. The battle is real. The struggle is real, y'all. Sometimes, right? That means you're in the right place when you are struggling, when you are battling. That's an insinuation. That's a marker. You're in the right place because the enemy's trying to stop what God's trying to do. Remember that. To guard your mind. Don't let thoughts go whichever way. To have the spoken word of God coming out of you. Paul, um, excuse me, Peter, in the first letter of 1 Peter 5, this is not on notes or on TV or on the screen. This is something the Lord just gave me. 1 Peter 5, 9. It says, stand firm against him, the devil. This is the one where he says the enemy's like a lion, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It says, stand firm against him and, and be strong in your faith. And this is important. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Now, I know our battles are unique to us. But don't for a minute or a second think you're the only one that's ever going through anything. There are countless believers all around this world right now who are also going through something. It's relative, but nonetheless real. And I want to encourage you in closing in this. As I prayed this with, our, with the prayer rally team before service, that I sense that 
there's some folks who are battle-weary. You're like, I'm tired of fighting this thing. I'm tired of dealing with this thing. Can somebody say COVID? Tired of hearing that stupid word that has taken the lives of so many and continues to plague the lives of so many. I know that's not the only thing out there right now. There are a lot of other things that you and I are dealing with. Battle weariness is real. And I just want to encourage you with the words of Peter. Keep standing firm. Keep standing firm. Keep being strong in your faith. Keep praying. Keep reading the Bible. Keep spending some time with God. Keep connecting with the Lord. Keep checking on one another. Don't assume that people are okay. Check on them. Keep being mindful to pray for each other. Keep being mindful of each other's safety and health. Keep making yourself do the things of the Lord that are laid out in the Word. The payoff is greater than the battle. The battle will always be worth it. And trust me, I don't like saying that, but it's the truth. You know, there's, I forget exactly where it's found, I forget. But it was a verse I had had on my mind earlier this week about this is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I used to, in my early believing stages of, of faith, would just spout that out. But then in the last few years, after going through a few things, I kind of stopped praying that because I was afraid of what my day would hold. That I didn't want to have to face stuff. I didn't want to have to face issues. I didn't want to have to face conflict. I didn't want to have to face situations. I didn't want to set myself up to have to deal with setbacks. I just wouldn't pray that. But this week the Lord reminded me, you don't pray it out of your own understanding and out of what you can control and what you can handle. You pray it out of faith. This is the day the Lord has made, and by faith I will rejoice in it. I will be glad in it. I just want to encourage you now. I would love to pray for you if you are able to stand as we close today. Prayer. We, we have take-home communion elements available for you as you leave today because this Wednesday will be our second um, premiere of the gathering online. Pastor Prentice and I come together. We pray for you, pray for one another. There's some teaching principles involved in that as well just to encourage you in your prayer life and then also we lead the church lead you in taking communion and so if you don't have elements you can take those if you have your own or create your own whatever but that's this sun that's this coming wednesday it'll be premiere premiere on youtube at 6 p.m it's about 30 minutes a time to 
go through that as well. You're going to hear a testimony that uh, will certainly touch your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for this church, for these people. And Lord, I pray that we would truly be the kind of people who would live wearing the armor of God. doesn't mean we won't have to deal with stuff. It means that we will and we will come out victorious as your word says. So I pray off of that right now that our faith would spark. Our faith would catch fire. That we don't have to fear the unknowns. But if we would just wear and use the armor you've given us, we will rise victorious. We will stand firm. We will be strong in our faith. Having done all, we will stand. And I pray that today that we would all stand. One day at a time, one step at a time. We will stand. And we will all be victorious. I pray strength, grace, peace upon us all now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.